Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Sea. I'm your host, Rob, joined as always by Dave and Becky. On today's show, we're getting ready for a Friday night full of tears as Henrik Lundqvist's night at MSG is nearly upon us. We'll share some of our favorite Hank moments and also bask in the glory of his successor, Igor Shosturkin, who may just have played himself into the Hart Trophy conversation, let alone the Vezina. We'll also be joined by a special guest, our blog's own Tyler McGillick, who will share his thoughts on the struggling Alexi Lafreniere. And as always, we'll answer your fan questions. There are a ton of those this week. So, guys, let's get right into it. Dave, Becky, how are we doing this fine Tuesday night uh, and Wednesday morning in everyone's ears? Feeling good. Looking all right. You know, living the life. I am good. I have nothing to rant about. I feel great. Wow. So we're getting uh, nice and easy and easygoing, Dave, this week. Uh, Sure, if that's how you want to put it. <laughs> don't say that people might stop listening yeah although I, I feel like we're due a rant from one of you guys because you know i can't be the only one who gets angry online all the time oh yeah you definitely are the only one of all of us that gets angry online uh, yeah uh, yeah becky uh, i i can feel the sarcasm we can cut it with a knife mm. how are you we'll feeling, certainly Rob? see how i'm feeling great i was gonna say we'll see how the show unfolds that uh, you know i I don't have a pre-planned rant, although these things tend to happen organically. So, um, I mean, look, there's not much to complain about if you're a Ranger fan right now. The team is playing really well. So let's start, as we always do, with a recap of of the last week of games since our last show. There was a lot, so we're not going to spend, you know, a, a ton of time on each game. But, you know, just to sort of give an overview of the week, it was the four games against the Leafs, the Hurricanes, Arizona, and then the Kings. Um, we'll start with that win a week ago over the Leafs. Uh, a game where the Rangers completely no-showed the first period and then pretty much ran the Leafs out of the garden in periods two and three. I mean, they played really well at all strengths. I mean, I know, you know, we're going to talk a lot about power play and, and, you know, versus even strength play, but um, that win over the Leafs was one of the more uh, exhilarating games um, of the year. And and also, one of the things I noticed, guys, I don't know if you agree with me, was that was one of the first times where I truly felt this since the Rangers were good six, seven years ago, the garden was electric. I mean, that place was just, it was even the announcers. And that was a nationally broadcast game on TNT. I believe it was Keith Jones doing color commentary who I don't mind, by the way, I know a lot that won't be a popular opinion. I think he's pretty good in the booth, not on the desk. Um, He said, wow, this place is jumping right now. And you don't normally hear commentators say that about any NHL rink during the regular season. So exhilarating win over the Leafs uh Dave you first any thoughts on that so I actually had to go into the schedule and try to dig out what this game was because I really didn't remember at all um this is the one where Ryan Reeves scored twice to keep the Rangers in it and Rangers Twitter collectively lost their minds when Reeves scored the first one let alone the second one and yeah the Rangers really no showed that first period and I don't know what it is with this team and no showing the first period and then going like oh right there's a hockey game let's actually play the last 20 minutes or the last 40 minutes and let's win and that's basically what they did Ryan Reeves said okay I got you guys for a bit and he scored two more goals than Libor Hayek and then you know the top players took over 
You know, this team is incredibly top-heavy, but once they decide to actually play the game of hockey, you know, they put up numbers. And I'm looking at this. That was when Chris Kreider scored his 25th of the season. That gave the Rangers the 5-3 lead and basically solidified it. Yeah, I just want to say that I agree, by the way, about Keith Jones. I think especially separated, separate of Mike Milbury, he's very enjoyable to listen to. Just a very pleasant, enjoyable person to listen to, as strange as that might seem, and come at me. I mean, I, I just, I like him. Um, uh, that, that Probably my favorite part, I love Rangers Twitter when we can all come together and enjoy a game like the Toronto game, and I will say that, like, I, I look forward to the playoffs because in my head, like, Toronto and the Rangers are going to play each other, and the Rangers are going to win, and it's going to fucking rule, but, like, I love when Rangers Twitter can come together to say things like, how can you think Campbell is a Vesna contender when he let Ryan Reeves score on him twice? Like, these are the things that I look forward to when I'm sitting on my ass on my phone watching a hockey game, you know? So, like, let's let's try to do that, Rangers Twitter, and not, like, I don't know, get upset about, like, the wind blowing in your face the wrong way today. Becky, I also want to give you a bunch of credit and shout this out because you, you clearly were not searching for it on your own there. When this game was three, one Leafs, you turned to me and you were like, I'm not worried at all. And I was like, what? They look like crap. They're not like Ryan Reeves is the only guy who showed up. And you're like, it's the Leafs. They're going to blow the lead. That's fact. And you were absolutely right. <laughs> That's absolute facts. That happened. And I bet on them and I made some money. So like, I'm not giving any kind of betting advice or anything ever. I want to be very clear about that. But like in that moment, I was like, the Rangers are going to win this game. And I won. I won money. It was great. Yeah, uh, they but- did it in an impressive fashion, too. But but the problem of not starting games on time, which is an old <laughs> and tired uh, hockey cliche, uh, does come true with this team a lot. And unfortunately, two days later in Carolina, it bit them in the ass. They were, again, completely lifeless <laughs> in the first period and really through most of the game. And they got you know rightfully destroyed by the Carolina Hurricanes. This was... A pretty annoying game, obviously, because of the result, but also because of all the buildup going into it. Tony D'Angelo, Alex Georgiev getting the start, which I thought was a good idea because I I thought it was Gallant maybe doing a little bit of mind games with D'Angelo, but of course he gets a goal and two assists. He unfortunately gets the last laugh as Carolina beats the Rangers by a 6-3 score. So the Rangers beat the Leafs 6-3, then they go out and lose the the next game 6-3. I'll just start here on this one, guys. My major takeaway was... You know, I didn't want this to be like, and I don't think it should be treated by the team as like, oh, this is you just burn the tape and move on because it's too significant of an opponent and it was too significant of a spot. And, you know, this is the only time I'll probably be negative tonight anyway, because it's mostly good news with with the team right now. But, you know, they really did kind of no show a big game. And that does bother me. I was really looking forward to this game just as a fan. I really dislike Carolina have for quite a long time now since particularly the whole bunch of jerks thing. Um, But even just how everyone thinks they're so cool and, you know, analytics Twitter is all over them and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh, well, actually, they're no better than any of these franchises because they signed Tony D'Angelo. And, like, frankly, they're a division rival, and I want the Rangers to kick their ass whenever they play them anyway. Not to say nothing of the fact that the team now has five or six former Rangers on it, Um, all of whom, by the way, were players that, you know, we were like, oh, well, you know, 
Brendan Smith and Brady Shea. Like, oh, these aren't these are the types of players that other franchises, you know, don't you know, wouldn't want because they don't have good analytics, right? And then Carolina goes out and signs them, and they end up having great metrics anyway. So, anyway, long-winded way of saying I was very disappointed after the the game to Carolina, the the loss to Carolina. Um, but maybe I'm I'm making too much of it. I don't know. What do you guys think? So, Rob, I'm going to make you feel better right now. Brian Boyle just scored a between-the-legs goal. <laughs> Who does he play for? I don't even know where he <laughs> plays. <Pittsburgh? He> play, <laughs> listen, he, he plays for Pittsburgh, but which, which is a problem oh, in of no. itself. But <laughs> mm-hmm. he scored between-the-legs goal. I've been sitting watching this on repeat, and I'm just like, really? Brian Boyle is 107 years old. He just scored a between-the-legs goal. Oh, Brian. <laughs> I love Brian Boyle. Me too. I missed that fourth oh line with Brian Boyle. When he was like, when he was like, I want to be like a top six center, and we were all like, "But you're not." That was <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> That's that. I want to be a millionaire or a billionaire, or whatever. But like, I'm not. So <laughs> I don't know. I want to be a millionaire so freaking bad. I want to be like five ten, actually. That's really what I want. You're still a foot shorter than Brian Boyle. <laughs> well, all right. I don't like playing professional basketball. I just kind of want to be a little bit taller. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I've been watching that. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm like Captain Derail today. Uh, yeah, sorry. But that's on me. Yeah, the Hurricanes game was not great. Um, and I agree. I don't think it's like a burn the tape thing because they are an opponent and, like, you know, we'll probably have to face them in the playoffs. So got to pull it together. But, um, it's a loss and it's a bad loss and I you know I'm not going to sit here and dissect tape because that's most certain I would be fucking terrible at it so you know like just we'll hope that they learn from it we hope that they they the coaches dissected the tape and found some spots that they need to improve on and and that's it I mean, so if, if there's one thing that yeah, game well, Dave, showed us, yeah. it's that the Rangers really don't have the depth to compete with the cream of the crop. Toronto aside, because they blow every lead ever conceived by man, Carolina is the best team in the East right now. Carolina and Florida. Florida steamrolled the Rangers twice, but got, but got Shesterkind once. Um, Tampa's not as good as they used to be, but they're still Tampa. Carolina just scores and scores and scores, and they're basically like, yeah, you're going to have to outscore us, and that's not going to happen. So the Rangers don't have the depth to compete with that. Dryden Hunt is still their second-line right winger. That's what that game showed us. They're not built right now to compete with these teams. They have $20 million in cap space come the trade deadline, so they'll fix it. But you know, that is what that is the game that shows yeah, you they, they can't them. compete. Carolina would steamroll them. They would sweep them if they played the Rangers in the first round. Yeah, I think that I, I think that's I would right. I not want them playing each other in the, like I just no one wants that. Yeah. No and guess no, what? And, and They're I, playing each other in the second round if they both win. And the Rangers still get swept. Yeah, to, to your point to Becky about Tampa, I feel much more comfortable going and playing Tampa as crazy as that sounds. I just mm-hmm. think that, you know, look, it's hard to win two in a row. It's hard to three-peat. All these guys are that many years older, that many more games that they've played and with long playoff runs and stuff like that. 
you know, and, 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 you know, essentially, eventually your luck runs out. We saw it happen with the Rangers, even, you know, even though they never won, eventually playing long playoff series after long playoff series year after year after year catches up with you and you get bounced in the first or second round pretty unceremoniously. Um, and, and also your, you know, your core runs its course. I mean, I know Stamkos is having a, a you know, a, a renaissance year. I think he's got 52 points in 42 games, which is wild, but, um, Tampa doesn't scare me as much as Carolina and Florida do. Um, and I, I'm with you on the Leafs. I don't, you know, I, I, they obviously have great talent. Similar to the Rangers, their depth is better, but they blow leads. And until further notice, that's that's who they are. So, um, you know, moving on to the Arizona game. So this was an interesting one because the Rangers took care of business. They won the game 7-3, but they played an even worse first period than they did in either of the games versus Toronto and Carolina. Now, look, some of this has to do with the travel issues so apparently there was a snowstorm and you know once you get south of the state of maryland in this country and in most places you know around the world once you get far enough south where it's normally at least mild weather even an inch or two of snow can completely derail everybody's ability to function in life uh and that's what happened in north carolina um as the rangers tried to get out of raleigh um after their after the game against carolina they were on a back-to-back needed to get home um, either that night or early or get home early the next day to, to prepare for the game against Arizona travel got delayed. They didn't get home until four in the morning. So they came out understandably sluggish. And yet I still can't shake the feeling that that happened. And it was pretty upsetting to watch the Rangers get out shot 16 to four to Arizona. Um, but they rebounded and Chris Kreider had a hat trick and he has been just doing incredible things all year this has been his his best year obviously that you know that goes without saying but the consistency with which he's playing is something to behold and you know becky you've you've been someone over the years who has always wanted more from Kreider, rightfully so but here he is right i mean this is the guy that we all hoped he'd become and you know just what are your thoughts on the season he's put together so far we know he gets goal number 30 the uh, the next game against la but just just Kreider has has meant so much to the rangers this year what are your takeaways from his season so far I'm very proud of him, um, and I feel like that's kind of a weird thing to say about someone that you don't know, but I'm just very proud of him. I feel like he's he's always been streaky. There's always been something. You've always just, like, kind of wanted to, like, grab him and be like, just do this. Like, I would say for years and years, and I know I'm not the only person, um, stay in front of the fucking net. And, like, that is very easy for me to say, again, as someone I've I, – hold myself I could skate just well enough to not like wind up with a bunch of bruises right but he is able to you know he's a huge body get in front of the net don't take stupid penalties like these are all things that were like the main criticisms of him of his and and I am just extremely proud that he's kind of bolded together um and he's been consistent which is something we haven't seen and I I want to say this on the record because I am very much a person who thinks that when you're wrong you should say you're wrong I didn't like his I did not think they should extend him I did not want them to to sign I I was like this is not going to be a good idea and I was wrong and I'm so happy he's a lifelong ranger um I you know I hope he keeps it up but like how many games have they played now you know 40 like he's it's pretty like it's looking pretty decent at least even if it's not at this exact pace it's looking pretty good. So proud of you, Christopher. Dave, so, you know, 
uh, one of the things that, and we're actually going to talk with Tyler in a little bit about kind of player development and the road that some of these players go on as they, you know, come up from college or junior, wherever they're coming from and become NHLers. I mean, Chris Kreider's road has been a full decade. And I think, you know, in some ways it proves what that patience can eventually pay off. Now, look, you don't want to wait 10 years for, you know, your first round picks to become star players. But there was always a feeling with Kreider, even when he was having really good stretches, really good seasons. I mean, look, 28 goals in the NHL is nothing to sneeze at. Um, We always felt like there was more. And I think, you know, he's fulfilling that. He's fulfilled that hope, right? He's made that a reality. Um, what are the differences you've seen in his game? Becky mentioned, you know, more of a commitment to get to the net. I think you're totally right. I haven't looked up the numbers, but it looks like he's taking a lot less, you know, a lot fewer penalties. He's also killing penalties now, which is the sign of a mature, well-rounded player. But what differences have you seen in Kreider that make him so good? I mean, he's the best goal scorer in the NHL right now as we speak. So we've always known that he could get in front of the net and he could deflect, he could be in front, deflect shots, screen goalies, get rebounds. He had been the best net front presence in the NHL for at least two years before this. The difference is when the play is evolving around him, he's not just parked in front of the net. He's go- he's very slowly drifting towards the back door, finding that or when the play moves he's slowly getting into that seam in front of the net where there's nobody and gets himself into a shooting position that's the difference is he would usually have his back to the goalie screening and waiting for the play now he's much more offensively inclined to watch where the puck is going and we saw it on his 30th I believe this was his 30th goal where he was watching the play. He was in front, and then the puck winds up on Fox's stick um, between the bottom of the circle and the goal line, and Kreider very quickly just turns his body and plants his stick on the ice. And obviously Fox is going to hit it because he's Adam Fox. But he found that seam in between the defenseman watching Fox and the other defenseman who took his eyes off of him for a split second, and that's all it takes in the NHL is that split second. And he was open for that split second, and that's what I see is the difference, is he's just making himself available to shoot more from in front of the net. And that goes a long way, and that's why he's shooting you know, 107% this year. Every shot he takes seems to go in. Uh, just it's one thing, though... To me. Sorry, go. go no, I was going to go completely off the rails about weather and... and the Carolinas and South. So, <laughs> Do it. So I'm going to go completely off the rails for a second. The weather, the reason why, and this is actually like something I learned a couple of years ago. I worked very closely with a guy from Alabama who would travel up to New York, um, and we just go hospital to hospital and you know do what we needed to do there. And I was talking to him about snow south of the Mason-Dixon line, and why everything just shuts the fuck down after. And he actually brought up a very good point. He said the roads up here are a little flatter, and you're used to having snow. So, they're designed to be made for snow. Roads down south are designed for rain. They're angled a little bit more, so that the rain can run off. Now, when you get snow, it doesn't run off, 
and now it creates slick surfaces and the cars are sliding off the roads because cars on slick surfaces on angled roads, even if it's an extra three or four degrees, it makes a huge difference. And my mind was blown at that. I was like, that's such a simple fucking reason for us to have this issue down south where when it snows, everybody loses their minds. But we never thought of that. And I was like, oh, I learned something new today. So that is the live from the blue seats educational moment for the day. The roads in the south are angled differently for rain, not for snow. But can't they salt the roads? They For the one snowfall every seven years? If they know it's coming. I mean... Do they really have they salt and sand reserves? Yeah, I don't know. They it's probably don't have as many like salt trucks or like trucks that are available. I, I got it. Yeah. I'm just I mean, I, I have a That's sand crazy. factory around the corner from me. And like, whenever there's snowstorms, we see these trucks go back and forth getting sand, getting sand, getting sand. So, you know, I'm 85% sure they don't have that in this guy was from Alabama or Mississippi. They're the same state. Um, one, one of those. Well, but there you yeah, go. Thank you, Dave. That was that was very informative, and now I we thought know it was why cool. Didn't make it home in time. <laughs> now we know why the Rangers looked like shit in the first period. <laughs> uh, so, as you mentioned as well, Dave Kreider gets his thirtieth goal of the year against the LA Kings. Rangers beat the Kings in a shootout on Monday night. Always good to beat the LA Kings, and they actually do have holdovers from the year-end series that will not be mentioned. Um, I know that I still feel it in my gut whenever the Rangers play the Kings. I, I get fired up for the game. I really want them to beat them. I know it's little, if any, retribution at all at this point. But, um, you know, the Rangers put together a solid effort again. This was one of those games where not much happened at even strength. Um, I know the Kings had more shots, but, you know, even looking at the heat maps that you posted uh, on your on your game recap, Dave, almost nothing in the slot for either team at, at five on five. You know, the Rangers got some chances on the power play. There was a lot of four on four play in this game. There were a lot of power plays both ways in this game. So kind of a weird one in that there wasn't a lot of flow five on five. And the Rangers did um, have a good thir- third period as well and came back to tie on the uh, the Barkley Goodrow deflection goal, his eighth of the year, tying his career high as well. Um, any quick thoughts on that game, guys, before we uh, move on? Yeah. Um, number one, the aluminum helmets are fucking ugly. Number two, it's always good to see Brendan Lemieux get thrown out of the game for being a piece of shit. Number three, why is Joe Micheletti saying like, oh, Lemieux's been like really behaving himself this year when he literally bit a person? He bit a guy this year. Like, like (laughs) mouth on my, my 17 month old child does not bite people. Like, what is this? Uh, number four, uh, Lafreniere flashing number one sign to the King's bench was just like tremendous BDE. And number five, Adam Fox is elite. And those are my thoughts. Dave, what did Becky miss? Anything? Um, Brendan Lemieux kind of looks like discount carrot top. Yeah. What's with (laughs) his hair, by the way? Like not to be like redhead now. He is kind of a redhead. Well, I, I think it was yeah. Suit that said it in the chat, were we, or he tweeted it or something to that effect. Were we really expecting the son of Claude Lemieux to be anything else? No. And Claude Lemieux wasn't that good until the playoffs, too. That's the other thing that I think people forget. Like, the guy was legitimately bad 
and then he had a couple of really great playoff runs. He did score a lot of goals in the playoffs, you know, nothing to discount or take away from him. But the guy was a pretty ordinary, just pest player who didn't bring much else to the table. And then he, you know, got famous for his playoff performances with the Devils and then Colorado. Um, Yeah, listen, I do like an agitator type player. I love Ryan Reeves. Um, I will cop to liking Sean Avery back in the day, especially as a, you know, uh, a little bit of a, you know, I don't know, wild 22 year old in the years he was playing back in, uh, you know, in the in the mid uh, and late 2000s. so I, when the Rangers brought in Lemieux and it looked like he had some upside, I was in it. I was in on it. I really liked it. And, you know, his first few games as a Ranger, I remember, you know, that was part of the Kevin Hayes trade, I believe. And I was like, wow, they got a first round pick and this guy who looks like he could be a useful bottom six player. And I think he could be. That's the thing with Lemieux. You know, I don't think he's as skilled as Avery. I mean, Avery had a couple of years where he could have put up 40, 50 points if he actually played 82 games. I don't think Lemieux has that type of skill, but he could definitely be a good bottom six player. And he just his personality and his you know um general jerk-like behavior gets in the way of him doing that and clearly what he did to Linnerin was a penalty the fact that he complained at all was ridiculous it was a textbook five-minute major game misconduct for boarding um glad lingering got a little bit of revenge but i don't know would have liked to see more than just a cross check in the back i suppose um after that but no you know as as you said always glad to see Lemieux pouting Glad to see the Rangers beating the Kings. Um, hold on, so hold on, Rob. Before you now. go on, yeah. I, I have one thing really struck me, and I got to ask: What were your wild twenty-two years? Or what were you like as a wild twenty-two-year-old? Because you are so laid back and everything. I can't picture you as this like wild, going out till four in the morning kind of guy. Like I, I got an, I got to ask. <laughs> well, you know. It's a, well, that's a great question. And yeah, I, I guess I am pretty laid back, but the, I would go out till four in the morning, but I think if you ask my friends, you know, I, I'd be the kind of guy who, um, as the night goes on, you know, I get, I get quieter. I kind of just sit, sit around and I'm happy to chat a little bit, but I, you know, not necessarily engaging in, in a ton of hijinks. Um, but, you know, I think as a, as a younger fan, you know, cause that was kind of in the context of rooting for the Rangers, you know, I, I think back then, you know, you appreciate the physical play. You'd like to see a little bit more fighting. I found Avery very entertaining. You know, some of the crazy shit he did, especially when they were playing the Penguins and the Bruins, you know, some of the famous um, Avery incidents. You know, I just got a kick out of those. And I think, you know, watching a lot of games with my dad as well, he found him to be a a throwback to the days when he was a younger man, 60s and 70s. There was a lot of character players like that. So, um, yeah, I mean wild 22 year old is probably a little bit of a of a misnomer but i did uh i did go out and uh you know enjoy the uh bar hopping on the weekends for sure interesting so anything else you want to know about my personal life before we move on no it was just you just (laughs) said like a wild 22 year old i was just like what's rob's definition of wild (laughs) because i feel like we have different definitions It does probably fall short of what most people would consider wild. That's for sure. It involved watching a lot of Ranger hockey, as you'd imagine. Um, No, that, like I said, that catches us up. We are excited to have Tyler McGillick joining the show on the other side of this break. So stay tuned. Joining the show now are Blue Seat Blog's colleague, Tyler McGillick. Uh, Tyler, welcome to uh, Live from the Blue Seats. Great to be here, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. 
Yeah. So Tyler, uh, you know, for, for our audience, for those who don't know you, um, just give us a little bit of background, you know, what's your kind of Ranger fan story? How did you get into the team? And then, and then also ultimately, how did you, um, how did you join up with Dave and the rest of the, the blue seat blogs crew? Yeah. So, uh, for fandom, um, I had a friend growing up in uh, church who was a big Rangers fan and, it was uh, the 2011-12 season. It was like a random game in March. It actually ended up being that uh, that Devils-Rangers game where they had the uh, opening line brawl. So that was the first game I that was, <laughs> that was the first, game, first I ever watched. game. That was my first wow. game I ever watched. And my friend, yeah, my friend was like, "You need to watch this because I guess they had had another opening line brawl earlier in the year." And he said, "I think they're going to do it again." So he. Uh, he was like, you need to watch this. And then I did. And I was, I was hooked ever since as a fan. Um, I guess why the Rangers? Cause I'm a, obviously I'm a Jersey boy, but I just, I've always been uh, New York teams. Like my, my family's always been Yankees giants. Um, and then now I'm a Knicks fan. So, um, <laughs> so <laughs> there was a joke in there initially about, you know, the Rangers are the only ones that give you misery right now. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And then, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say at least the Giants are starting to make some better decisions for you. But oh, I'm very, I'm podcast. very excited, very excited. <laughs> Listen, about the Giants beat Tom stuff. Brady twice in the Super Bowl. That's enough joy for a lifetime. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and then uh, to answer, uh, to answer your second question about uh, just the blog, um, Dave had reached out to me. I want to say. I want to say off season like 2018. I think it was, I think it was 2018. Um, In all fairness, like, 2020 to 2022 are all one year, so literally yeah, no, that's about right. Literally, <laughs> but yeah, I, I want to say it was. I, I know I was like I know I was vacationing, and then uh, he was reaching out to me. He's like, "Hey, you know, I have this blog, and, and I had followed. I think I had followed Dave for a while. Um, didn't really interact too much then, but then he reached out and then uh, asked if I wanted to join the blog and. Um, I had taken an interest in wanting to write, um, cause not, no, like formal education background with it or anything, but just as a hobby, cause I just really enjoy the game and love to, you know, write about it and any sort of raw thoughts. So I was like, yeah, absolutely. Love to join. Dave poaching people on vacation. <laughs> well, to I got to, I got to say too, Tyler, your, your Twitter feed is, is rather awesome. It's fire. So <laughs> And I, you know, for that. anyone out there who doesn't already follow Tyler, he is a must follow in the kind of Ranger fan universe, especially, by the way, as Rangers Twitter, uh, at least the fun part of it, gets kind of like funnier and weirder. I've noticed that happening, especially around a lot of the Criders Advantage ad content we've been seeing over the last week or so. Um, if you love that stuff, I think Tyler kind of fits right in um, with the more fun side of Rangers Twitter for sure. Yeah, the takes... That, that are fantastic. Uh, I, I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, appreciate that. Well, and speaking of which, so the re, you know the reason we wanted to have you on for this segment of the show, Tyler, is you know we all talk to you on a pretty regular basis. We have our, you know, it's a little bit inside baseball, but our group chat. We reference the group chat a lot here on the show, um, and really we just kind of talk about the same stuff we talk about on the show, just amongst our like group, right? So. You are always one of the more vocal folks out there about sort of Alexi Lafreniere, 
Rangers player development. Yes, you yes. know this has clearly been, I think, a bit of an issue this year. Not not just this year, but but going back many years for for the Rangers in terms of, you know, even when they do get uh, elite young players on the roster, uh, especially through the draft in the first round, they've had problems developing them and and hitting having them hit their full potential. So there's been a lot of discussion lately about Lafreniere. I think he's definitely under the microscope with Kako and Hedl out of the lineup. He's kind of the guy that everybody's looking to step up to, uh, looking to to step up now in the top six. I mean, I, I guess my first question for you, just to kick off the discussion, is what is your honest appraisal of him so far? Are you happy with Lafreniere? Are you disappointed? Where are you with him? Uh, you know, through his first, I think, eighty-five games or so as a as a pro. Yeah, so I mean, as a player, um, I would say I'm underwhelmed, but in the context that I. I don't think it's all his fault. I think it's a lot of, um, I think it's kind of a culmination of different factors into why he's maybe not um, putting up like, you know, Austin Matthews or um, even like a Nico Hiche, uh, like first year or first and second year player, excuse me. But, um, but I still think that doesn't mean that the Rangers as a whole, like, you know, shouldn't be third-lining him, especially when, you know, you have, like, key injuries right now. I think he should, you know, he really should be a priority as a first overall pick. Yeah, Dave, this is something that you've talked about as well in terms of, you know, how are the Rangers, you know, handling these players and, and the balance between competing now versus developing players and, and, you know, making those pieces fit together. So, I mean, I'll ask you the same question and I guess Becky will get your, your, your thoughts as well, you know, but basically first, first things first thoughts on Lafreniere through his first, you know, season and a half here. Uh, the biggest thing that stands out to me is not so much the skill, the points, it's the conditioning. And this was brought up in the group gen. Sue actually wrote something about this. I want to say December about what's wrong with, Lafreniere and the issue that I am seeing now is he just like he can't play a full shift and skate for 45 50 seconds without being completely gassed and that's something that would play into why he's not getting second line minutes not getting top power play minutes and there's other reasons obviously but this is definitely a factor he's not in shape and I, it's a little bit mind-boggling that this is a number one overall pick that is very talented. And I, I do believe that shootout goal last night, uh, Monday night, when you're listening to this is two nights ago, will open the floodgates. But he needs to bag skate a couple of days a week over this Olympic break and get his ass into shape. He needs to be able to play more than one shift in a row where he's all out. Can I ask a stupid question? Sure. Um, so, like, I, I I have never played hockey. I am an, uh, about as good on ice skates as I won't fall on my ass too many times. So this might be a very stupid question. But wouldn't, by, by virtue of the fact that the game itself is so physically demanding, like, like how is it possible that someone's out of shape? I know that's a. It no, sounds a, stupid coming out, but like, no, how it's is a it, really like, good. I can understand like a pitcher is not in shape, but 
I think it's in relation to the rest of the league because you're talking about the most elite athletes, you know, on earth, right? In terms of hockey players, at least. Um, and I, and I think it's, it's more that he is staggeringly behind his peers, right? I think if you were to go out or any of us were to go out and, and like do a cardio competition with us, with, with Alexi Lafreniere, he'd likely still kill us at it. But I think when you look at the ability of, you know, guys uh, and Chris Kreider is a great example, right? We know that he keeps himself in immaculate shape. Um, Mika Zibanejad when he's not, um, you know, dealing with COVID fog, you know, these guys are able to sustain, themselves and and be effective at the end of a shift whereas it does seem like Lafreniere starts to flag um so I think that's probably what it is but I also I kind of have the same question as you Becky in terms of you know we're already through more than half of a season and it's surprising that he hasn't played his way into shape just by virtue of playing because there have been a lot of games he hasn't really missed a lot of time um so that's kind of a of an interesting one uh Becky, what are your thoughts on it? How, how would you appraise him? What, what what grade would you give him through his first season and a half here? It might, it's kind of harsh, and I, I think I'd give him a C. I think that uh, I'm not a teacher. <laughs> but I guess that, like, if, if I were, I would think, like, he's a student that I know could do better than he's doing. And I would want to figure out how to get that out of him. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair answer. I I think there are confidence issue there's issues there too. I've been pretty hard on him. I th- I'm pretty disappointed so far in what I've seen. Um, he did not lack confidence. Of... He did not lack confidence throwing up the number one though, skating by the king's bench. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. No. Yeah, that's why I. That was amazing, and that's why I think he's going to actually, you know, break out because yeah, maybe what we're seeing isn't being out of shape it's like what rob said he just doesn't have confidence well because you know what i was going to say is early in his career you know say his first 20 30 games you know he looked like a rookie but he was making generally smart plays and i was like okay this guy has a pretty good read on the game i've seen a regression in that regard and and look i don't have stats to back this up this is purely eye test and sort of you know what you're looking for um a highly skilled forward to do he's made a lot of frankly just bizarre decisions with the puck like not knowing when to shoot it not knowing when to pass it just kind of basic reading the game stuff and now look that happens with rookies they get lost they overthink the game happened with capo caco and he's sort of you know pretty much put all that to bed so you know hopefully this is more of a rut than sign of a player that just doesn't understand the game at the nhl level um i think that that would be highly unlikely but not totally impossible so i mean i think the other part part of this discussion and tyler i know you know uh, you've, you know, a lot of thoughts on this matter as well is, you know, how can they fix this? Because and what should the Rangers do? Because it's a big question. And I alluded it to before a little bit, but um, they're in the middle of a great season. They're competing for first place. They have eyes on a long playoff run. Where do you draw the line between like compete now, win now, we're in a playoff race and developing your young players? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, maybe this is the first year, the first like true year of the window being open just with Gallant coming in and, or sorry, Gallant, however they, however they say his name. You got it right the first time. <laughs> no, it's Gallant. And um, it's Gallant. Neither, I, I still can't get but, used to uh, that. You know, I just still think like, you know, at the end of the day, this is just, it's still a first overall pick. Like, yes, I understand. I understand. Like you lucked into him. Like the, 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 
fakest lottery that we will probably ever see in our lifetimes, <laughs> like losing in the play-in and, and getting, you know, the first overall pick. And then you have Kreider and Panarin on long-term deals. But I just, you know, you have to figure it out. Or, you know, it, honestly, it also kind of begs maybe a little revisionist history, but like, should you have traded the pick, you know, at the time or, or even just you know, taken Byfield, like I know Byfield maybe has a lower, maybe a lower ceiling than Lafreniere, but, you know, would it have been more beneficial to take the center than another winger? I think it's a fair point. That's how the lottery balls fall. I mean, yeah, that was something that came up in the group chat too. Is I think, Rob, you said it. it was like, that's how the lottery balls yeah, fell. Yeah, this just happened to be the year where the top guy was a left wing and the team picking him was a team with a bunch of great left wingers already. I mean, it's a, it's a tough break that is really a, you know, in theory, it's a good problem to have. You know, this is the whole um, cliche about like, well, you can never have too many good players, but there's often not enough ice time to go around. And that's, you know, really the issue that I think a lot of fans forget, you know, Dave, you use the comparison a lot of, you know, Drury building video game rosters and, you know, he does it one way. I think a lot of fans do it another way where they're like, oh, if I just had 12 uh, Artemi Panarins, like then, you know, my team would be great. And like, yeah, okay. In a video game, yes. In the real world, nine of those Panarins would be, or or six of them at least would be pissed off about their role. So it's, you know, it, it really is kind of a, you know, the rubber meets the road at the point where you're divvying up ice time for highly skilled players. And the two guys ahead of Lafreniere are great, great players who are, you know, one of which is having a career year leading the league in goals. And the other is your most important skater, most important playmaker. So maybe other than Adam Fox. So listen, it's, it is a tough one. Um, Wait, I have a question. Yeah. If we have 12 Panarins, do we have 12 Mr. Rizzies? <laughs> yes. These are the important questions. It's a great question, and I think the answer is yes in such a world. Okay, good. But if we have 12 Panarins, we don't have one uh, best league friendship. Okay, well, then we could have nine or ten Panarins you know. and a Kreider and Spanish out, okay? Good. Okay, fair. Um. And friendship per 60 is <laughs> off the charts. <laughs> what it's, this also uh, does... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Rob. No, no. Go ahead, Tyler. Oh, I was going to say, too, like, you know, overall, too, what I think, you know, what this also boils down for me is I'm, I'm so curious who is actually, like, responsible for, like, the everyday skills, like, for the Rangers. Like, because, okay, if you can't, if you can't get Lafreniere you know, enough ice time on the left wing, you know, can a skills coach teach him to be a right winger? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, that's a really good question. And I think this is a, it's a wider question also just about player development within the organization, right? Like what is the Rangers way? How do they bring people from the draft, you know, or, you know, from overseas through, um, up through the, you know, the AHL, if that even applies, obviously, you know, Lafreniere has not spent any time there. I know that there's technicalities there and we don't need to go into the details, but, um, he could be sent to the AHL now, I believe if they wanted to, I, I don't think they want to do that, especially given the injury issues they have. But no, I mean, look, the, the difference between left and right wing, it's almost less of a skill thing and more of a system thing too. And I think it's just player comfort. 
you know, to me, if, if a guy is struggling to read the game, which Lafreniere was at times playing his natural position, then he's really going to probably feel like a fish out of water if he's playing the opposite side. And then is it fair to ask Kreider and or Panarin, again, established star players, to switch sides so you can get time for a kid? I mean, these are like the player dynamics and the people dynamics of, you know, managing a um, a pro team. And I think that's where Gerard Gallant does uh, excel. That's a big part of why he was hired. I mean, Dave, do you have any thoughts on that, though? You know, player development, skills development? Because, I mean, Tyler brings up a good question here. That's definitely something the Rangers um, seem to fall short with, not just with him, but with some of these other prospects. I mean, I wrote a whole thing about the Rangers have a prospect development problem, and it's true. I mean, aside from... Well, Chris Kreider, we haven't had one first-round pick make an impact. And I mean a real impact since 2009. That was when Chris Kreider was drafted. There is something that they're not doing. And, you know, we've seen all these players come through. Brady Shea was good for a year, and then he signed that contract and fell off a cliff. A lot of it is also they didn't have many first-round picks. But Leas Anderson... Did not work out. We have no idea what Filipino is. Vitaly Kravtsov defected back to Russia. Um, Kapokako is one of the best play drivers the Rangers have, but he still doesn't have the points. And as Connell has said, he there's a missing aspect to Kako's game where he probably won't, he may not put up the points that we're expecting or we're hoping for a number two overall pick, and now we're seeing the same struggles with Lafreniere. What is going on with this team that they can't develop a first-round pick, but they can have random third-rounders, third seventh-rounders, all of a sudden develop into these top of the lineup players? You know, Carl Haglin came out of nowhere. Yes, we're fast. <laughs> Wait, is, isn't Tanner... I do miss Carl Haglin. Class, like, but, player development, I mean... Yes, him... But this is all under Drury before he was named GM. He was assistant GM. He was GM of the Wolfpack. And this is under his domain. This is his. This was his job. And all of this is under his watch in some way or another. And this is why I kind of turned on him so quickly. And this is... I didn't even turn on Glenn Sather. And I've turned on Drury already because there's just so many question marks. I am petrified of what this guy is going to do. And in terms of... Circling back to somebody playing right wing, Kreider's the most likely person to do it. And he'll be fine there. That won't impact his game. He's still solid defensively. He's playing on the... It's not going to impact his special teams work. It's not going to impact his net front work. I don't know why that's not an option. But it goes back to the confidence concerns, the conditioning concerns. And quite frankly, Lafreniere, as skilled as he is, hasn't done enough to really supplant anybody right now in the top six, and that includes Dryden Hunt. It's true. That's kind of harsh, but... Yeah, but I I think it's true. So, Tyler, just coming back to you for a final thought, you know, what would you like to see happen over the last half of the season here? Look, there's still 39 games left. It's pretty much a half season. The Rangers are going to need these guys. You know, we, we've talked about the additions they can make at the deadline. You know, they've, we've talked about how far can the star players really take them, especially with limited sort of, you know, five-on-five impact, especially less power plays in the playoffs, yada, yada, yada. So 
you know, what do you expect from Lafreniere and what do you think we need to see from him over the last, you know, 40, 39 games here to feel confident going into the playoffs and the offseason that, hey, this guy really can become something? Yeah, I mean, you know, how about we start with getting him a power play point? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But then, like, other than that, um, I mean, definitely... You know, and Gallant does do, he does, I will say he does do a good job rolling the lines. Like he'll, he'll rarely like bench a line, even if, even if they're down a, a goal or so, like he does pretty well of rolling all four lines, but maybe it's, you know, maybe it is giving him more shots in the top six, like every now and then, like, Hey, you know, you've been, you've been playing well this game. Like I'm going to give you a couple shifts with Panarin and Strom or Mika and Kreider, like reward him. Like maybe that would help boost his confidence. And, you know, you know, all in all too, like, isn't it great to have like, you know, a goalie like Igor Shesterkin to mask this call? (laughs) No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Becky, Dave, any final thoughts? You know, th- there's an entire generation of fans that has no idea what bad gold, oh, no. gold Rangers goaltending yeah, looks I'm like. Yeah, I'm part of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so sorry. So that, like, for, you know, that's another thing of this too. Like, you know, imagine if they didn't have him. If they had, you know, only like league average or you know below average goaltending, and they're losing a lot. Like these kids' confidence would be just flat. Yeah, it also could be the lead to the opposite where they would try more changing the lineup more. Maybe they would get more um, opportunity, but who, who knows? I mean, you know, I do think that ultimately it's good for these kids to come up in a competitive environment where the team is winning. I mean, we've seen what these rebuilds that go sideways look like and you end up with a bunch of talented players on teams that do nothing but lose two out of every three games and then you're Buffalo, you're even Edmonton. I know Edmonton's kind you're of... Edmonton. You're absolutely right. Edmonton. <laughs> right, exactly. So... I think, you know, we should be, I'm, I think it's overall a net positive that the team is winning no matter how they're winning, because that's a better environment for young players to come up in rather than one where they're losing a lot. So, and they're, and they're learning good habits. They're learning how to win games so that when they do have to take a more, you know, a prominent role in the team, they're ready for that responsibility. So yeah, I was right. going to say, Dave or Becky, any final thoughts on laugh before we, uh, before we move on? I think he's very endearing. I mean, like flashing a number one at the Kings bench was absolutely hilarious. So, oh, he's a super likable guy. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and he'll be a joy to watch if and when yeah. he actually does become what we think he can become. No doubt. Yeah, he seems like a real like. I mean this in a very endearing way, but like a real goofball. So, and I like that. Absolutely, I like personality. Yeah, I think he fits in well with the locker room that they've developed. Um, the there's a lot of calls to have him on the top power play unit. And I get it, number one overall pick, top power play unit doesn't have a lefty one-timer shot. I've been very vocal about needing a lefty on that unit. Um, Obviously, that unit is firing on all cylinders this year. They're They're an absolute machine. You don't break up a power play unit like that this year. Next year, I think he's on the top power play unit as the trigger man on that wing when... You eventually 
part ways with Ryan Strom, I think he's going to price himself out. But I think next year is when we see Lafreniere on that top power play unit. And I think that is when we see the point numbers explode. I wouldn't be shocked if he doubles his points from last year to from I would agree this with year that, to next sure. year. Because, yeah, I mean, you know, could he be the, the not even just a one-timer option, but, you know, could he be a bumper, you know, just a, a bumper to Fox, a bumper to Zabanjad or anything. Yeah. yeah, play the Strom role, basically. Strom is in the one three one. The bumper is the guy in the middle of that three, for those listening. And obviously you have Mika in the Ovechkin spot, you have Panarin on the other wing. You know, the bumper serves as kind of that secondary pass option and distraction and kind of high slot option that finds the seam. That kind of fits, uh, assuming that he can read the game and we're not just seeing somebody who's just the game's moving too quick for him. Assuming he can read it, he th- that's a spot that he could excel in. And again, that doesn't add a one-timer option, but it adds another lefty for and that's something that I mean. Another thing needs. too, you know, um, Gallant could also just make sure he is rolling out that second power play unit, making sure they get ice time. I know it's a little depleted right now with Kako and Heedle out, so it's kind of a, a makeshift unit. But you know get them something don't just give them like 25 seconds of power play time yeah it depends how the game's going too and that's one of those feel things i think for a coach and you see you see how the first unit looks of course but no those are definitely um good solutions and, and i think you're right and i think ultimately taking the long view both with lafreniere and kako is the right thing to do i mean you look at how long it takes and i know with first and second overall picks you don't expect it and you don't want it to take this long but some guys take until their third, fourth, fifth, even sixth seasons to really hit their ceiling, to really hit their stride. And, you know, look, it's it's tough on one hand to watch Jack Hughes become a point-per-game player this year. On the other hand, the Devils suck. They lose all the time. <laughs> and they've basically resorted to um, needling the Rangers, uh, ran Ranger fans on Twitter about, like, Gerard Gallant getting fortunate with good goaltending. Like, that was what... Uh, a notable devil blogger was doing earlier today rather than focusing on his team and his team's struggles that can't seem to win games because, oh, I don't know, Lindy Ruff is the coach. So, look, <laughs> Jack Hughes, great, good for you. Go score 80 points this year. I will take the playoff berth, and let's get Lafreniere and Kako some some uh, some playoff games. Um, Tyler, great talking to you. Um, come back again. Do this again. It was really fun. Thanks Absolutely. for joining. Absolutely. Would love to. Would love to. And on the other side of this break, we will get to your fan questions. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to Live from the Blue Seats. You're back here with Rob, Becky, and Dave. And we are moving on to our fan questions. We got a ton this week, so thank you, everybody, for sending these in. It's a really exciting week for every Ranger fan on planet Earth because... Coming up in just two short days, the Rangers are retiring Henrik Lundqvist's number 30. There will be a 90-minute pregame ceremony before Friday night's game against the Minnesota Wild. Becky and I will be lucky enough to be in attendance. We're so excited to talk about that on next week's show. But with without further ado, Becky, let's jump into these questions from our great uh, listeners. All right. We've got a ton of them. I want to start with this one um, from the person that I've called Ticket Rocket before. Ticket rocket? What? It's, I'm so bad. It's uh, he's in Japan. His his at is tktrc rckt10. Um, okay, ticket rocket. Okay. 
take a rocket. Yeah. yeah. And rock it like your dog. Um, yeah. uh, he asked this question. He, they asked this question um, uh, right after we finished recording last week's podcast. So I wanted to get this in first. And this is actually not a Ranger specific question, but a very interesting one. So not a Rangers question, but if you have time, trying to get a friend here in Japan into watching hockey slash the Rangers, struggling to explain the difference between top six and middle six forwards, how would you go about it? Dave, I'm throwing it to you. Oh, so. Rob, I'm throwing it to you. <laughs> no, uh, it would, uh, Rob, if you want to go, I'm, I'm trying to formulate my thoughts on that. Well, it's, it's an awesome question, and... That is definitely, I'd say, falls on the side of the spectrum that is like deep hockey talk that I don't even think you need to know the difference between top six and middle six in order to enjoy the sport. Um, That said, I think what you view as a top six forward uh, is somebody who is entrenched in a role where you depend on them to score a lot of goals and, and contribute to a lot of goals. Whereas a middle six forward is someone who maybe has a little bit more um, potentially a little bit less raw skill, but a little bit more flexibility to their game, right? So they can maybe, those guys are maybe, you know, a little bit more of a utility player. Um, you know, I think if you look at the Ranger roster, um, part of the problem, frankly, is they don't have a lot of middle six forwards. They have a very defined top four or five with a missing piece or two, and they have a very defined bottom three or four. They're kind of missing that middle part of the roster, which is very important. I mean, you know, Barkley Goodrow is probably one guy that fits that category. And if you think about the Tampa Bay Lightning and what their third line was, um, you know, those guys, uh, it was Blake Coleman, Barkley Goodrow, and who was the other guy? It was, oh, man. Yanni Gord. Was it Yanni Gord? Yanni Gord. Yeah. Yeah, Those guys were middle six forwards because they could play for another team potentially on their second line, but not not for the top line. You wouldn't want those guys on your top line. So, um, but like I said, that's not really something that I think you even need to in order to understand or appreciate the sport as a new fan. I mean, you know, forwards are the guys who get the goals. Uh, Defensemen are the guys who try and help the goalie prevent goals. And ultimately, it's a team game anyway with all six guys on the ice, you know, trying to sort of play their part together. So um, I hope that's helpful. Uh, Just to add on that, the one thing that I want to add is the middle six, I would say, is a player kind of like Filipino where – you rely on them for secondary scoring, but if there's an injury, they can fill in on the sec- on a top-scoring line and not look lost. You don't want them there because you need them a little bit lower in the lineup to play a little bit more of a role-playing style, but they can fake it in the top six and kind of survive. Yeah, I also think that what's important to note here is that you know we often think of things in terms of first, second, third, fourth line. And coaches don't really do that. They know who their top line is. They know who their bottom line is, you know, their their fourth line. I think beyond that, it often can be a, a mishmash. Again, with the Rangers, it's a little bit more defined because of Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom solidifying themselves. But even if you think of the Rangers from 2014, that team's on the mind, obviously, with, with Hank Knight coming up. That team did had a, had a, a true middle six, you know, that comp- was comprised of Carl Hagelin, Marty San Luis, Brad Richards, Derek Broussard, Benoit Pouliot. That was a true middle six, and those guys all played different roles when called upon. I can't wait to see those guys on Friday. Like, holy shit. You're just, like, saying names, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't wait. Uh, That just sparked joy. Thank you. 
All right. So thank you, Ticket Rocket, for your question. <laughs> Ticket Rocket. Uh, next, <laughs> next question. At JB Sports 22, who starts in net on Hank Knight? History, parens, short-term GG decisions, says Georgie starts Thursday and Igor for Hank. Thoughts? I, I do not disagree. I I, th- I asked this question on Twitter about, I think Gallant plays Georgiev in the fir- first game of back-to-backs regularly, and he starts Igor in the second. And that and that seems to be relatively common. You know, the season opener was a back-to-back. Georgiev got the start. I, I don't know. I, I just think that's where they're going. I- yeah, and I think f- for, you know, the totally non-hockey related reasons and the very um what feels like it's going to be a passing the torch moment i can't imagine anybody but igor shesterkin playing goal at madison square garden on friday night so because he definitely looks to be the next one you know the next great in net for the rangers and there have been a lot of them so um you know i'm sure we'll get to a little bit more goalie talking a bit here but um look for igor to be in the net on friday night no doubt yeah, he also loves Henrik, like idolizes him, and like will yes. play out of his fucking mind. Oh, and I think the Rangers will uh, include Chesterkin in the in the ceremony. I think they'll probably have him, you know, be be there and maybe present him with one of the gifts they're going to give him. But that would be a very um, that's a likely that's something to look out for. I think during the ceremony on Friday, that you know, I think very much a you know a true passing of the torch from one great to the next to the next. I would laugh if it's a literal torch. We're not the Montreal Canadiens. Here, you have my powers now. (laughs) All right. All right. Up next. Well, okay. So we kind of, we, we touched upon this, but I do want to just shout out at JFC one Ranger, which I hope means Jesus fucking Christ Rangers. Uh, That's Uh, what I thought too. What? I thought J- JFC was Jesus fucking Christ, too. I, I hope it is. Um, so this person asks, what the hell is the plan with Laugh? Why was he pulled off the top six only four games into the season? Why no patient extended look? Would the Rangers 5v5 results so far be any worse if Laugh was allowed an extended look on the top six? I think we touched upon this. Um Mainly in saying that, just he just wasn't super. He's not super effective. But I, I wonder. Uh, bringing up five on five is like kryptonite to me. It just makes me like itchy and not happy. So I don't know if either of you want to touch upon this more. Or feel we've kind of gone through this. Uh, all I'll say is there's no way to prove a negative, right? So. To say would the would the results be uh, any worse if he was allowed an extended look on the top six? Like I, you can't you can't say either way. Um, I think there's some merit to trying things when trying new things when the current plan isn't working. Um, I also want to say here, and I know we haven't gotten into too much of the nitty gritty on this show for good reason, but sometimes people talk about the five on five issues as if like the Rangers aren't aware of them. Like Gerard Gallant literally said in his press conference last night, we were not very good or after the Kings game, I should say we were not good five on five. He said those words, go listen to it and stop talking about Gerard Gallant. Like he doesn't know about like coaching hockey. The guy's aware of the issues. He has limited um, options with which to currently address those issues. Yes. He could give Alexi Lafreniere more ice time. However, 
in the multiple opportunities he's gotten with more ice time, he hasn't exactly blown people away. So I don't necessarily blame them for looking in another direction. All that said, sure. I think the easy fix is try to give the kid five, six games where he's getting 15 even strength minutes a night and see where you're at after those five or six games, especially, you know, given how how many points you've already built up in the standings, you're not really worried about falling out of playoff contention. So, yeah, that's kind of my my thought on the matter. I mean, so I just one thing. Yeah, the Rangers are a disaster five on five right now. So asking, can the would the Rangers be any worse if he got an extended look? I mean, the bar's on the floor. They're the 31st, 32nd ranked team in 5v5 possession stats. So there's nothing to lose there, but you'd have to move somebody to right wing. Who are you moving to right wing? That, that's the whole, that's the crux of the matter right now. All valid points, my friends. All right, up next, at Salvi Baldino. What do you do with Patrick Nemeth? Which jo- just reminds me of that. Giant Acme oh slingshot. Giant Acme fucking slingshot right into the goddamn sun. You don't think you could flip him for something better than just like, I don't know, like pucks? I mean, listen, every team's going to line up for a, a cheap third-pairing defenseman that had success in Colorado. He had good numbers there, and he's young-ish, he's easily somebody that they could throw in for Jacob Chikrin, which I'm going to lose my mind over. That stupid trade rumor. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, dumb fucking team. So... I mean, if you're getting healthy scratch for Libor Hayek, it doesn't get much worse than that. So, And I know they said he was banged up to protect what little confidence the guy has left. I feel bad for him. And this just seems like, again, just to like... And I and I love the stats. I'm definitely pro, pro analytics and all that. But like, Put the charts aside and just let's go with this. It hasn't worked out. And we thought it would. I like the signing. I think most people were like, hey, that seems like a solid depth signing. You know, even down to the fact that he was Swedish, the expected, uh, you know, scenario was that he would be playing with Niels Lundqvist. He could be a good role model for Niels, Niels Lundqvist and someone he could learn from how to become a pro in his first season in the NHL. It just didn't work out. And that's okay. These types of things happen. It's much better for that type of contract not to work out than say, oh, you know, if in some alternate universe, the Artemi Panarin deal didn't work out, you know, and then you're stuck with a guy making $11.7 million a year, who's, you know, I don't know, a 50 point score rather than a hundred point score. That's obviously not the case, but you get my point. So at this point, yeah, tr- look to include him in a trade at the deadline uh, as, as a way to even out the salaries. Um, that seems to be the most likely scenario for him. I still like the slingshot idea. <laughs> I like it too, but I don't think it's very like. Uh, I just, I don't know. Listen, if it didn't work for Wiley Coyote, why can't it work for us? Well, David, that's a cartoon. We'll talk about this offline. <laughs> All right. Wow, you brought up the work. We'll talk about this offline. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I have, I'm thinking about work, uh, the work I have to do after we stop did, recording. Did this email find you well, Becky? No, I never say that to anyone because I know my emails never find anyone well. I'm always like, I'm so sorry. I'm emailing you. Okay. Built to Spill, our friend, <laughs> asks a question that it's going to break it up a little bit. And then we're going to go back into kind of like, you know, the Rangers are falling apart, apparently. 
top five handsomest rangers of all time. I don't understand how the top five aren't just Lundquist, 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 Lundquist. Well, okay, it's it, it's you got Henrik. Henrik counts as the top three. Yep. I'm sorry, it, it's Henrik, it's bearded Henrik, and then it's you know <laughs> that one commercial where he's in his goalie gear serving up drinks. And, like, I don't understand how his hair is so perfect all the time. It's not fair. Wait, who was the one? Oh, my God. I am, like, so upset I can't think of it. He was not a good player. Tanner Glass. He was really handsome. Taylor something. Hmm. Pyatt. Uh, oh, Pyatt. Taylor Pyatt. Pyatt. That's it. That's it. That's it. Pyatt was very good looking. Everybody um, loved Dan Girardi. Um, I didn't see it. I didn't think yeah. he was a good looking dude, but I don't know. It's the jaw, you know, like it's the jaw thing. And like, well, and the Fox icy blue it. eye. I mean, his, his, his eyes were like glassy blue. Like, he had crazy uh, yeah, eyes. yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's but true. like blue eyes aren't always like the most attractive thing in the world. IMO. I know, but this is like, you're talking they're about like a, conventional handsomeness. There's a lot of um, people that like Mika and his hair. Uh, I don't know. A lot of people who like Mika. Uh, who else is good looking? Um, what about like is Keith Yandel considered like a smoke show? No, 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 no. I mean, uh, I think I think we can ask uh, ask a lifeline. I'd get a Derek Broussard. Oh uh, yeah, Je- yeah, Jess and uh, Derek Broussard. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. You guys really have nothing here. I'm not. Well, we haven't said nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, this is also all time. So, like, we're only talking about teams the last five years. I mean, I could, I could pull up the old photos of, you know, I don't know. Everybody loved Ron Dugay. He he was like the '80s true. guy, slow dancing with Cher, apparently, and everybody loved him. Yeah, Cher. Do you know who I think is low, low key attractive, by the way? And like, not like very attractive, but I'm also old and boring as shit now. Um, I think that what's his Kevin Rooney? Like, I think he's like kind of cute. I mean, like they all look like children to me, so it's hard for me to say that. But I think he's kind of cute. Uh, for the longest time, I thought Kevin Rooney was like 33 years old. Apparently, he's 25. They're all like six years old. Dude. It's not like, fair. They're all six. They're like, all... Ryan Reeves just turned 35 and people are like, holy shit, we have to like, he's like ancient. And I'm like, no, he's like normal age. Like, don't <laughs> do that. I am going to be, he turned 35 in January or he turned 35 he turned in 20. 20... Like four days ago. Yeah. So I am three years older yeah, was, than Ryan Reeves. The day after the Leafs game. Yeah. I'm the three day years... after the Leafs game was his birthday. He got those two goals and then he had his birthday. Yeah, I'm basically Dwayne Rollison at this point. You know, I'm like, uh, I'm the grandpa of everybody at 38 years old. It's going to be 38 in March. Although, Rob, I think oh, you're yeah, older than me, aren't you? Fre- no? No. Damn it. Freddie Shustrom was cute. Oh, uh, yeah, everybody loved okay, him. I could see that. Brandon Prost was another one before he got CTE and lost his goddamn mind. Uh, no, one for you, Becky. A lot of the tough, a lot of the tough guys. Brandon Dubinsky. No. You loved Dubinsky and like. Yeah, but not because I thought he was cute. I loved him because like I thought he was a feisty little whatever. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like cry when I see Dubinsky on Friday. Yeah, yeah. So, do you think he'll be there? I hope. Yeah. 
Oh, how about Matt Zuccarello? <laughs> I'm sorry. Not not here for the looks. Not going to win the, the bikini part of the show. <laughs> I'm just going to do the hot rangers. Hold on. Hot You're going to get Texas Rangers. I love in how much one. time we're devoting to this. This is important. I'm not moving us off this topic at all, by the way. This is going to come to its natural conclusion. By the way, Margot Robbie shows up when you Google hot New York Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Margot Robbie is just, she's, she's a 30. She's like, oh, God. She's, yeah. she's, she's so three beautiful, tens. it's like painful. And she's like, the she's perfect so Harley Quinn uh, as a guy who loves comics, loves the comic book movies, everything. She is just perfect as Harley Quinn. Uh, just David un- Quinn also shows up for Hot New York Rangers. That is, that's blasphemous. He, uh, and for some reason, Chase Crawford. Who's Chase oh, Crawford? Who is Chase Crawford? He was on Gossip Girl, the original. So he's not he just some random ranger, ranger that I'm ranger blanking ones. on. Okay. <laughs> no, he was not a random ranger. Kevin Shattenkirk, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, God, dude, dude was bald before Derek Stepan. <laughs> 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 all right i think we're done i would love to know though tweet at us and tell us who we've forgotten off of this list because i think that's yeah. a great question as always from bill who oh, by the um, way if you're not following bill to spill he, he never misses spell his name so people know never misses ever so right. spell his name so people know his handle mm-hmm. call out his handle Becky. Wait, sorry. No, my my thing just cut out. Oh, no. I was just saying spell out his handle so people know how to follow him. Oh, I'm they sorry. Already. All right. It's at B-I-L-L-T-O-U-S-P-I-L-L-E. Obviously a little play on built to spill like the band, but um, love to see it. The first time I thought that I saw that, I thought it was, uh, you know, like bill to pay because like to pay and i'm like what the hell and then like oh to spill okay that makes more sense all right moving on to like less fun questions i'm sorry that was really horrible (laughs) this is a very good question um at at sprex ny um this might be addressed before you get to all questions but here's mine the Sharks demand one of Nils Lundqvist or Zach Jones as, centerpiece, as the centerpiece in a package for Tomas Hurdle. Do you do it? Do the Rangers get a window to negotiate a contract? That's not part of the question, but I kind of want to leave that caveat there because it's a very different scenario if you're getting Hurdle as a one postseason rental or if you're getting him and signing him to replace Ryan Strom. Yeah. So if there's like a, let, let's assume he's re-signed or there's a sign and trade or they figure something out, then Nils Lundqvist is the one I would include, not Zach Jones. Imagine NHL GMs being creative and risk, uh, risk taking enough to do a sign and trade. Cause yeah. it literally never happens. Yeah. And like half of the moves in the NDA are sign and trades. It's like insane. Um, I, I wouldn't do it actually. And I'm, I'm like, can't believe I'm actually saying that, but I don't think we've seen enough from Braden Schneider, by the way, who I like, um, but also has not been anything special. Uh, you know, he scored a goal in his first game. Awesome. But like, you know, you need to do more than that as a, you know, to be a steady, reliable defenseman in the NHL. 
Um, we haven't seen enough from him to be like, oh yeah, he's definitely the the young right-handed defenseman that we want to keep. Let's ship Nils off. Um, and I think Zach Jones deserves a longer look. And I, I don't think the Rangers will give him up easily either. So I'm actually going to just say flat out, no, it's got to be a different package. And I think you, if you really want Hurdle, then you and they're willing to do the trade with you, then you you negotiate. And if not, and you're the Rangers, you move on to your next option because there's still plenty of other options out there. Maybe not as good as Hurdle, but but good enough. All right. I probably wouldn't do it. Um, friend of the pod, Jessica Lynn 312. Out of all the amazing Hank moments we've been able to witness, what is your favorite? Besides the obvious of Game 6 ECF, she says. And I'm so happy that she asked this question because there is a glaring lack of Hank-related content in the questions, guys, on Hank Week. So I'm going to circle it around. Rob, go first. So I think what I'm going to say here is... And I'm gonna I'm gonna actually go back to my uh, young wild days of being a 22 year old. No, I'm kind of joking. Um, his first season was amazing, and I was actually 20 and I turned 21. I was born in 1985, so his first season was amazing because it resurrected the franchise. Now, yes, Yager was a big part of that, and Peter Pruka was a part of that, and, and you know all the other guys that co- sort of came together a very sort of ragtag group, not unlike the Vegas Golden Knights, honestly, from a few years ago. You know that Ranger team was picked to finish last by everybody. They had not made the playoffs in almost a decade. It was really the dark ages. And the Rangers have always been my heart and soul favorite team. Hockey is my favorite sport. And what that season meant to me as a fan, to the sport really as a whole, to New York hockey as a whole, and really, yeah, it was two guys that made it happen. It was Yager and Lundqvist. And the way that the city and the fan base embraced Henrik Lundqvist, I was lucky enough to go to a bunch of games that year. Obviously, I've had season tickets for quite a while now. Um it was amazing to watch. And I think there was, there's a clip from, I think his maybe is his first or second game, his first NHL win. Um, I think he gets first star honors and um, JD was actually still announcing games at the time. He wasn't even working for St. Louis yet. This is, you know, that long ago. And he was like, he was shocked. Actually, you could hear it in his voice. He was like, what? But Sam, the, the the crowd is standing and chanting his name. You know, th- there is a love affair developing between this team and this and this fan base again, and that was because of Lundqvist. And I, I'm I'm like welling up thinking about it because of how much that season meant. These Rangers that we love now, the Rangers that we talk about winning the Stanley Cup most years for the last 15 years, obviously other than the little rebuild we've just gone through, that is all because of Henrik Lundqvist. So I I'm just going to say broadly, his first season for bringing this franchise back to. Um, prominence that was beautiful that was very well said so uh, trying to get it so rob went the full season kind of thing there were two moments that lundquist showed emotion in a game and that really stick out to me like i could i could talk about that that Hank Brodeur showdown in 2008-2009 where there were 105 saves between the two of them and it was the most exciting one nothing game I've ever seen. That was just an amazing clinic and I think an absolute passing of the torch from the goalie of the 90s and early 2000s of Brodeur to the goalie of the late 2000s and 2010s, which was Hank, obviously. I think that was a very sim- a nice um, symbolic passing of the torch there. 
But the two things, one when Hank squirted water at Sidney Crosby. Because that was the first time I had ever seen Lundquist do something of that kind of style before. He's so calm, so collected. We watch him on the broadcast. He has this aura about him. And then he goes, he just like squirts Crosby in the eye with a water bottle after a scrum. <laughs> that was awesome. Amazing. And then the second, I think this was like 2017, 2018. It's also against the Penguins. And I forgot what Lundquist, what happened to Lundquist. His pad came loose. The goal was something happened. And the Penguins came down on a 2 on 0 or something. And he just turns around and knocks the net off the moorings. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot when that was, but I was like, what the fuck did he just do? That was pretty recent, yeah. And it was like out of like pure disgust, too. Uh, there, he, there was something. It wasn't about anything. It wasn't about the 2-1-0. It wasn't about anything related to the game. There was something that happened specifically to him. He, like... He didn't have a stick, obviously. I, I think his pad was loose or his helmet came off or something to that effect. And he's trying to get the ref's attention. And then he knocked the net off the moorings on a 2-1-0 saying, what the hell, my helmet's off. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, I actually was going to take uh, as one of my two was going to be when he squirted Sid with the water bottle. That was just fucking iconic. And I thought it was hilarious that, you know, MSG has been doing this like the basically like Hank month, you know, and they, they, I saw on MSG a short from Crosby to um, Henrik and they'll probably show it on Friday night, but just basically saying like how great he was and how, what a pleasure it was to play against him and just super classy, you know, really great message. And I was just laughing to myself because I'm like, dude, he squirted you in the face with a water bottle. Like he made that decision. He's like, I'm going to be fined a couple thousand dollars worth it and did it like it was amazing um but yeah my Hank moment I think is actually not even like an amazing save or you know something quirky that he did on ice it's it's like just a little story um Rob and I were at a game and we were standing next to a family and I was you know the seat next to me was a little girl she was probably six years old and she had a stuffed elephant, and the stuffed elephant's name was Hank. And the it was kind of sad because the Hank didn't start that game. Um, I can't remember what year it was, but uh, I was asking Rob, and he, he says he thinks it's public, but it might have been Rancy. I, I don't know. Someone else was starting the game. And in between, you know, right before they come on the ice for the third period, this little girl goes – oh my God, it's Hank. And lo and behold, Henry came out for the third period and she was so excited and they wound up winning that game and Hank got the win. And it was just like that kind of seeing like what he as an athlete meant to just generations of people. It wasn't just, you know, fans that are our age who were lucky enough to have him be our, you know, 20s and 30s goalie or older fans who like had Richter now and then had Lundquist and whatever like this little girl she was young and he meant so much to her and it was just very like heartwarming to watch and 
I think about and this sounds really weird, but like I think like I wonder if she's still like a fan and I hope that Chesterkin winds up being like a, a palatable number two for her. And, you know, I think he will be. So it was That's- also I rem- I remember that, you know, vividly, of course, because I was right there with you. And I thought it was amazing, too, because she's, you know, six year old, probably, as you said, you know, not always paying a lot of attention at a sporting event. You know, they get distracted by the scoreboard and, the you know, the, the vendors and the concession stands and what crazy fans might be doing around the arena. And she like literally was the first person in the entire garden yeah. that knew he was coming out like they hadn't even turned on the lights because like they skate out with the lights off. They had not even yeah. turned off on the lights. And she was like, Henriksen. And I was like, wait, yeah. what? No. I'm like, I'm like, poor girl. She like thinks she's like seeing things now. And it was him. And she knew. And I was like, this girl knows what's up. Huge fan. Yeah. And, and like you said, um, just an amazing moment for her as, as a young fan. And the Rangers did win the game because that's what Lundqvist did. You know, he was a force of nature between the pipes. And the Rangers won a hell of a lot of games because of him. And, you know, it was just... He's one of the best things to happen to the to the team, you know, in its history for sure. And to the city. I mean, like, his foundation is amazing. He does so much with Garden of Dreams. Like, he's just uh, – we could do, like, a whole podcast on Loving Henrik, honestly. He's this generation's Adam Graves. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Okay. Moving on. Another fun – well, another. this is not a hockey-related question, but Russell's Brussels asks – who are the top three bands from the When We Were Young Festival that you'd want to see? <laughs> Dave, I know you really are into this, so I'm going to ask you first. I had to fucking Google what this was. I didn't know. I, I don't know. So there are like five or six bands from this awful, awful graphic. I'm, I'm going to go full boomer on this. There's five bands that I recognize on this. My Chemical Romance, I obviously know who that is. So that's going to be one. Dashboard Confessional, I know of, but they're too fucking depressing. Uh, uh, Jimmy Eight World, I liked, so we'll go with them. Number two, um, uh, there's there's just a picture of a face. I'm gonna go with that's number three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's good. Uh, that's good stuff. And then the Manchester Orchestra. I'm, I'm going to assume that's not an actual orchestra. <laughs> oh no, they're God. not. I don't fucking know. The face is TV girl, by the way. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Never. I've never heard of them, and I've heard of most of these bands. Um, and and listened to a lot of these bands. This is kind of right in my high school days wheelhouse. Um, Paramore, I think, would be amazing. They're definitely on the list. Taking Back Sunday, I've seen them before. Definitely would want to be uh, close to the stage for that. And then. I didn't even see Taking Back Sunday. I know who they are. This, probably. Yeah, there you go. They're a Long Island band. Um, probably the starting line, just because they're really fun. They've got a lot of fun songs. I like their stuff. So, um, unless Midtown is on here and I don't see them, but I love Midtown. Never saw them before, but it do- I can't find them on this list. We were just so, talking about them. They're, they're very good live, Midtown. Love them. Love them, but they're not on here. So, what I say, no. Paramore. Uh, taking back Sunday and the starting line. Yeah. So I'm going to take Paramore. I'm going to take Jimmy Eat World, who I've seen. And I'm going to take Taking Back Sunday, although I am very much Team Jesse brand new. So 
that is that. And I do want to say GovBall dropped. And I'm like, actually, for the first time, I was saying this before in like our little pre-show or whatever, that uh, I, I'm not like a, I, I'm not a festival gal. I, I wasn't even a festival gal when I was like 25. And so I'm much older now. But um, uh, day three looks pretty bomb. So that looks, that looks good. I got to look at it. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, looks really good. Um, okay, final question. And Dave, you're probably excluded from this one. So sorry. Um, at Jamie underscore hockey says, oh, wait, never mind. You're, you're included. I was going to say, that's a two-part. What the part. hell? He's what did I do? <laughs> sorry. I was just reading the second part because it's about me. Um, <laughs> right, question for everyone is, if we only have one move, who would it be for? And then the question for me and Rob also is favorite West Wing character in episode. So, David. Uh, one player only. Yeah. Oh boy, one pl- one player. I certainly wouldn't be Jacob fucking Chikrin as great as everybody as everybody loves to be like, ooh, shiny new toy. He's not what this team needs. So I mean, I'm hoping Connor McDavid requests a trade, and the Rangers like, ooh, give me. <laughs> but in the terms of actual reality, ah. <sighs> Oh God! Oh, fuck! I don't know. One player only, because the Rangers. Uh, I, I gotta go, Joe Pavelski. Uh, I'll, Joe Pavelski addresses the second line need. He can play center or wing. He pushes Dryden Hunt out. Hopefully, that leaves the third line as somebody will eventually score a fucking goal on that line, and that should keep Greg McKegg out of the lineup because, oh my god, I'm so sick of Greg McKegg. Um, my name is someone we haven't discussed a lot, I think with good reason, but he's going to be out there, Claude Giroux. Um, oh, I know it would take a lot for yeah. Philly to trade him to the Rangers and then have him you know, potentially get some hardware with the Rangers, but that would be a very Marty St. Louis type of move. Again, similar positional flexibility, different type of player from Pavelski, but Giroux still got it. I mean, his underlying numbers are great. His point production is still there. Um, he, he's even a late bloomer in some ways. I think, you know, I saw a stat when Kreider hit 30 that, you know, he was the only, uh, Giroux was one of the other guys that, that it took more than nine seasons for him to hit 30 goals. Um, I didn't know that. Talk about a great potential right wing for Panarin and, and Strom, honestly but also someone who can play center if you need. So I think Giroux, if you could only add one guy who's technically gettable, even though potentially not for the Rangers, he would be the guy. I like that. Yeah, I, I didn't think of Giroux. I didn't think of Giroux. Yeah, we'll have to look into that a little bit more. I mean, he's going to be available. I think the Flyers are going to look to trade him, but I, I doubt they're going to trade him with the Rangers. I mean, stranger things have happened, but I doubt it. Yeah, I mean, I like Giroux a lot. Um I would welcome him to New York with open arms. I'd go pick him up if he needed a ride. It's fine. Um, I don't know. Ever since I said Besser, I'm kind of like living on this Besser train. So I'm going to go say that, even though I don't know if he's even available or anything like that. But JT Miller ain't it. Um, oh, Chickren ain't it. I just like I'm sick of hearing. It's going to be a rough two months if we have to sit and listen to these trade rumors and we don't make any moves before then. So, um, And then for West Wing, my favorite character is Donna and my favorite episode is Noel. So, I don't know if anyone watches West Wing, but yeah. 
yeah, we might be really slimming down the fan base here, but uh, my favorite character is is Josh, Josh Lyman, played by Bradley Whitford. Hilarious guy, great actor. Uh, man, my favorite episode, I can't remember the name, but it's the one with the funeral for the um, Vietnam veteran. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In Excelsis Deo. In Excelsis Deo, I think yeah. it's called. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great episode. Tremendous television episode. I mean, the whole show is great. If you're looking for a new series to binge, it is on HBO Max, which is, you know, by all accounts, the worst of the TV apps from user experience. I don't hate it. I just pull it up on my phone and Chromecast it. But the entire West Wing series is on HBO Max. Go watch it. It's a great show. When did when did that go off the air? Like 2004. 2004. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I feel like yeah. that show was was over before half of Rangers Twitter and social media was even born. That's a <laughs> Maybe. very depressing way to end end the game. End the game. <laughs> yeah, but you know, people are going back and people are going back and watching Seinfeld. They're going back and watching these old TV shows. Everything's on a streaming service now, so a lot of these shows are getting a second and third life. I mean, The Wire came out before a lot of people, you know. Uh, that's true that's cared true. about prestige TV and like went out went back and watched it so I think the West Wing is definitely in that category from like it is sort of a prestige TV show even though it was on uh, you know broadcast on network TV um, tremendous tremendous TV show so I couldn't recommend it can't recommend it enough you know what people for the newer age folks do yourselves a favor go on Disney plus watch seasons two through ten of The Simpsons, and seasons one through three of Family Guy. Animated television perfection. There you go. We're, we're, you've gotten everything, in, a little bit of everything in this show, in, right down to TV recommendations while you're waiting for the, uh, the next Ranger game to start, while you're waiting for Hank Knight on Friday, which should be an amazing time. So, um, guys, as always, it's been a pleasure. And we will be back next week to recap what should be a special night at Madison Square Garden on Friday night. So long.